McLean and his wife, Pastor Sharon. Hallelujah. And so I want Noel to come and take his liberty. And uh, Noel is a dear friend. In fact, Noel is the vice president of um, churches in communities. And they give um, um, accreditation to chaplains um, across the UK. And so, Noel, make sure you hook up with this wonderful man. Yes, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, come on, let's welcome Bishop McLean. Hallelujah. Amen. Bless the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. So good to be here. And um, on the behalf of my wife and I really thank you for making us feel so at home. Thank you to Pastor Joseph and his team and his family. I've often said that whenever I come to CLF, I feel very much at home. And it's just been great to, to journey with many of you over the years and see this ministry grow. I am so proud of my, my friend and my brother. And um, I really want us to just give God thanks for CLF and for what he's doing. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. I want to share um, a word with you that really excites me. Um, I know that I was asked initially if I had the notes for what I wanted to share this evening some weeks ago, but oftentimes I, I get an assignment when I'm in an atmosphere, and I've asked my dear brother to play throughout um, what I want to share with you. So I want to share a, a word, and if I was to give it a title, it's called The Repetition of Heaven, The Key to His Power. Father, we thank you for your word. Your Lord, we know that your word is already anointed. Holy Spirit, I ask you please right now to do the work that only you can do. And everybody said... Amen. <clears throat> if my voice gets a bit dry, um, if someone could just bring some water throughout, that's fine, but I'm fine at the moment. I want to read two scriptures that will form the foundation. I really want to, I will be preaching, but I really want to talk to you more. Um, I really want to sort of teach some things. So please bear with me. Um, loved ones, turn your Bibles to uh, St. John 1, 14. And our second scripture is going to be from Numbers 10. Verses 1 to 2. St. John 1, 14 and Numbers 10, 1 to 2. Thank you so much. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Numbers 10, verse 1 to 2. <clears throat> and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movements of the camps. I honestly believe that God intentionally brings people together for purpose. I really do believe that. Even though when we often look at things um, in their own existence, they appear to be insignificant. 
but it's often God's way of preparing us for something greater. When you look at church history, what you will see particularly over the last hundred years is God in a very clinical way and an explicit way using individuals. Oftentimes we refer to these men and women as the fathers and mothers of the faith. But I honestly believe that what God is looking for is something much more corporate. Something that will be so dynamic that it will truly express and reflect what I call the vision of the body. I've, I've often wondered why the Bible says that Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit without measure. And I realize it's because the fullness of Jesus is expressed not through an individual now, but it's expressed through his body. So what we will find is that the fullness of the body of Christ will be expressed when every single part does its work, whether it's prison chaplaincy, sports chaplaincy, whether it's street pastors, whatever it may be, when we are mobilized and we are activated. However, I've, I've realized, it, I, I've spent several years studying revival, studying individuals who, who prayed, and I realized that the principles do not change. The, the principles of prayer. Jesus said that what you pray in secret, the Lord will reward you openly. And I want to just talk with you for about the next 40 minutes about the word of God and worship. The word of God and worship. And I want to look at worship and the word initially from the Jewish context. It's interesting that the Hebrew word that we use for, for presence is also used for the Hebrew word for face. In fact, the, the, the original King James Version, uh, when it talks about the bread of presence, it uses this phrase, showbread. And there's something behind that. And, and it's just this idea that this bread that stood before the presence of the Lord represented several things, but two principal things. It represented the freshness of God's bread, the freshness of God's presence, and also the freshness of his word. It's interesting that the bread was also sprinkled with frankincense, and so it all makes sense in a minute. It's sprinkled with frankincense, but also when you, you read uh, certain Jewish writings like the Talmud, you realize that it is believed that the actual ingredients for making the bread was only held by the Kohen, the, the, the actual liturgical part of the Levites. They believed that they kept the full ingredients for themselves. Where am I going with this? I believe that CLF has an incredible power base to launch into decades to come. And even yesterday when, when I was in the service, in fact it was this morning, the worship was so powerful that when I finished, I, I, I wanted to go to the keyboard. And it's quite funny because it didn't work. But I still had to play, even though no noise was coming out. Because 
something was being released through the worship. Now, I help you to understand something. In Judaism, when a Jew wants to bring the presence of God into their locality, they don't worship. Okay? The principle of Judaism is that when they want to bring the presence of God into their locality, they read the Torah. We, as modern-day Gentiles, Christians, we worship in order to bring the presence. But fundamentally, whenever the Torah is read, the rabbis believe that the presence of God was embodied or wrapped up in the Torah. Hence, when you read the Psalms, it says that the entrance, or in Hebrew, the unfolding of your word brings light. So the bread of presence for the Jews was a reminder that God's word cannot be separated from God's presence. And the reality is, is that I have seen so many times, and I'm not talking about here, just throughout the body of Christ, where we haven't made the correlation between the word and his presence. And oftentimes, I mean, I remember about 25 years ago, I was part of a church which experienced revival, no doubt about it, experienced revival. I was a youth leader at the time. And unfortunately, what happened was that the, the pastor at the time made a distinction between the ministry of the word and worship. So what would happen is that when there was a, a strong manifestation of worship, he would just shut it down and said, right, we need the word. Within two years, the church lost up to 60% of its membership. Until this day, the church has not fully recovered from that. Simply because they didn't realize that the bread of life was also the face and the presence of life. And I honestly believe that there's something about Tapping into what you already have that will release a measure of God's power that we have not seen before. Let me explain a couple of things to you. This bread that was in the tabernacle, it could only stay there for seven days before it had to be removed. And one of the things that transforms worship is the continual revelation of God's word. The continual hunger to receive something fresh from the very presence of God. In fact, it was only the priests, if they realized that the bread was getting stale, they had the right to remove it. But every seven days something fresh was brought in before the presence of God. The frankincense was sprinkled so that the aroma in the house 
was so poignant, it was so strong, that every time the priest would come in before God, they would be conscious of God's word, but they would be conscious of God's presence. I honestly believe that God loves places. And one of the ways in which he transforms... Hello? You, you want to do it for me? One of the ways in which God shows his love for places is by placing people in those places. Now, let me put it to you this way. When we come to church, do we come to see God manifest or do we come with God? The, the word manifestation, um, I did a little etymology on it. From the Latin and the French word, it means to show plainly. It also means to discover. It also means to display by action. Everyone say action. But one of the root words, it literally means when something is manifested, it means to be evident to the senses. Let me say it again. To be evident to the senses. In the Old Testament, one of the things that is basic for any Jew, when you look even at prayer, I, I challenge you, study the, the rabbinical teachings on prayer. They call it the, the, the basic level of prayer is God consciousness. That is why the Hebrew word for prayer, tefillah, the, the root for that word means to judge oneself. So whenever a Jew would read the word, and whenever they would engage in worship at the very base level, there had to be a consciousness of God's presence. I think that one of the things that we are not great at is developing a God consciousness on a daily basis. A consciousness when you're walking the street. A consciousness when you are talking to people. A consciousness when you go shopping. A consciousness outside of Sunday. Because for the Jew, it was that God consciousness that caused them to experience continually the power of God. Let me share some things with you that helped them. Many of you know about the, the tefillah that, that they would use. And... An abbreviation of the word is what we call the tefillin. Now, what would happen in order to help the Jew to be conscious of God's word and to be conscious of God's presence is that the tefillin would be tied on their arm and on their head. But it's very interesting when they would tie on the arm, it would be here around the bicep. Because it was the shortest distance to the heart. So that wherever the Jew was engaged in, whether it was work or ministry, they were consistently conscious of God's word and consistently conscious of God's presence. But when they tied it, they would also tie it to the middle finger. So that means that whatever the Jew did with their hands, whatever their hands did, they were conscious of God's presence and they were conscious of God's word. And then they would tie it around the forehead 
so that their mind was constantly renewed concerning God's word and concerning God's presence. I honestly believe that as we rediscover this consciousness of word and worship, we will experience the glory and the power like never before. The prayer of Moses was, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us. Now, when you study the text, it is almost a paradigm for this church. And and please, I'm not self-promoting any individual. But when God gives you a genuine father over a house, the, the passion of a father is never themselves. Listen to what Moses said. God said to Moses, my presence will go with you. He said, if you don't go with us, don't carry us any further. Moses was saying, I need your, it's great that your face is with me. We've had a dispensation where it was about what God was doing with individuals. But Moses was so desperate for his people. He says, God, whatever breakthrough, whatever face, whatever revelation I have, let the nation experience it. I don't just want to be written down in history as Moses, as the only one who knew God. No, I want a movement. I want a nation to know and to see your face. We, the dispensation of me is over. God, give us people that wants to bring nations into an experience. Nations, communities into an experience. Families into experience. God, I know you're with me, but I want you to go with us. Somehow, Lord, we've got to find a way to merge the two. In Hebrew, they use this word called Shekinah to describe the manifest presence of God. But what's very interesting, the the Hebrew word Shekinah comes from two root words, which literally means to dwell. So in literal definition, when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about a glory that dwells. Throughout history, and I've spent most of my younger years going to retreats, doing camps, and what I found is that there's been a visitation, but there hasn't been a glory that dwells. And I've said to the Lord, I am desperate. I want to know what can I do to be able to experience a glory that dwells. Because when there a glory dwells, we see transformation. We see something that changes atmospheres and changes people's history and renews people's minds. It brings reconciliation. It opens doors. It brings people out of darkness into light because there's a glory that dwells. So the Bible tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God said, in the Torah, I've been teaching you how when you read the word, you manifest my presence. 
But now the object of the word is Jesus. So now Jesus becomes the manifestation of the Torah, the word. And he becomes the Shekinah. He becomes the image of the invisible God. What am I saying? There are three types of presence. There's the omnipresence. When I go into the darkest places of India or Africa, there's, a, there's the omnipresence. Omnite, he's everywhere. When you get born again, there's the inner presence. But what the Bible is challenging us to experience is the manifest presence, the Shekinah. Where everything that's in you is released. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everything he's seeded you with. Everything he's planted in CLF. Every word that is put on you. It comes out in visible manifestation. It is evident to the senses. I can guarantee you, people will be changed when they see evidence of God's glory. So that's why Jesus became the evidence, the visible manifestation of an invisible God. So I asked the, I asked the question, I said, Lord, what can I do? What, what, what can I do practically as a leader? And he shared some truths with me that I want to share with you in the next few minutes. And he said, Noel, repetition. Repetition. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, look at heaven. Turn to Revelation 4, verse 8 to 10. I'm going to read it to you. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. They do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, four years ago I sat with my eldership. I don't even think I've shared with Joe this. I sat with my eldership and I said, I'm not happy because we have great word, we have great worship, but I'm not seeing the level of manifestation that the Bible tells me about. I'm tired of reading about history. I said, well, I want us to create history. We embarked on the time of consecration. The first thing we did, we said, Lord, we repent for every time we have not been conscious of a movement of your spirit. I told every single person on the ministry rota, I do a three-month rota, I said, you, it is subject to change. If you prepare for four hours, it doesn't matter. If you come up and the presence of God is the wind is blowing in a different direction, you do not preach. I told our worship team, we, we threw away literally all our songs and we said, right, we want songs that intentionally have an anointing for this season. I'm a songwriter and, and there are songs that I wrote maybe 10 years ago 
and I play them now, they don't carry the same anointing. Because anointings are often linked to personal revelations. And we intentionally, and then it got to the stage where my kids were saying, Dad, we're singing the same songs every week. I said, that's deliberate. And they would say to my wife, can we stop singing holy, holy, holy? They didn't understand. We had, we had some of our worship leaders saying, we want to be more creative. I said, no, because these, these are the songs that God has told us we're going to repeat. And slowly but surely, I guarantee you, I think I've spoken once in the last two months. Because there have been times when I've come up to preach and I sense that the Spirit of God is moving in a different way. And I'll say, I can't try and recreate that presence by my exegesis. But I can facilitate the presence by my sensitivity. And so many times, if you notice... I, and I want to say this as an encouragement. Every time you sing that song, about, is it about the, the breath in the lungs? Have you noticed that the atmosphere changes? And I sat there, and please don't be offended. I kept on saying, don't change the song. Don't change the song. Because you see, one of the keys for glory is repetition. And you see, so what happens is that sometimes I have a word. And God says, preach it again. But God, I preached it last week. He says, No. Because don't you realize, for seven days, when they came into the tabernacle, they saw the same bread. God. But you see, the template for revelation is repetition. Every time the angels said holy, there was something else that they experienced. And sometimes God says, just stay in the place. Stay in the place of repetition and you will see my power. You will see my glory. You will see me like you've never ever seen me before. You see, the Hebrew mind understands about repetition. Where we've got it wrong is bad exegesis. People say, even when we pray, don't pray the same thing. That's not what it says in Matthew 7. What Jesus warned against was vain repetition. The word vain literally means empty, stuff that doesn't have your heart. But there are times as a church we need to say, God, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. All the earth is full of your glory. Turn it up. Let me give you something there. Holy, holy, Lord God almighty. 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 Holy. Holy. And I discovered that when we begin to tap into what heaven does, they continually sing the word because the word brings the presence. And you will find that the greatest messages come out of worship and the greatest songs come out of the word. And when we merge them together, we will see the kingdom and the power of the kingdom. Why did I read from Numbers 10 and I'm coming down? 
God said to Moses, Make two silver trumpets. And from the very first day I ever came into CLF, you know, the two strongest things that I felt was the word and worship. And he said to Moses, make two silver trumpets. And this is how you're going to use them. You're going to use them to discern the movements of the camp. When you want to know how to move into territory, when you want to know how to church plant and the season, you will get it in the atmosphere of his presence. And he said, let them sound together. The verses that go on from there, it says that if you only blow one sound, you're only going to mobilize the leaders. But when they sound together, in the Greek, the symphonio, when they make a corporate sound, it's going to produce something that is so dynamic and so powerful. You see, sometimes, church, it's, it's not that we don't love God, but it's often it's because we don't understand the principles of heaven. Let me explain this very quickly. There is a difference between patterns and principles. You see, patterns will often reveal to you or show you what something can look like. Someone say, look like. But principles show you how something can be right. And what happens when Jesus taught on prayer in Matthew 7, it's more about the principles of prayer. Because he said, if you get the principles right, whatever you ask in my name, it shall be done. And it doesn't matter how mature we become, unless we understand the principle of worship, and please don't be offended, but the principle of worship essentially is this that it must always intentionally be about him. Why would we sing songs where people don't know whether we're talking about our boyfriend or girlfriend or whether we're talking about the king of kings or the omniscient one? Please don't be offended. But I'm saying if you really, really want the presence, you've got to intentionally sing what he has said. You've got to intentionally say, God, it is really all about you. I had to repent. You know why? Because when you're moderating a service, I used to say, God, please don't let the glory of God knock me out. I've got to moderate. He says, okay. And I would see the anointing drop. Oh, Lord, help me. I want to be very open with you. You're, you're like my family. During this season, when we were merging, we were blowing the two trumpets together, the word and the worship, we hit, we plateaued, we, we hit a dead end. And it bothered me. It bothered me, Joe. And as elders, we started fasting and praying. The Lord said to me, because there's something that's polluting my presence. I said, Lord, what? He says, I won't fight for my glory. And there were two things that we, we, the Lord revealed to us. One, we had some amazing flag worshippers. Loved them. They're my spiritual daughters. But there were some serious issues going on in their life personally. 
And what would happen is that as they were dancing at the front, it was creating confusion in the spirit. Now, this is God's honest truth. We spoke to them in love. We provided pastoral care. As soon as they stopped, in fact, for over a year, we haven't had anyone dancing at the front. And people said to us, what? I said, we're waiting on the Lord. From the moment they stopped dancing, the anointing increased. i tell you how it made me laugh. We would have people, Joe, that would walk from the congregation. And as they come to the pulpit, they're almost falling over. Because we've intentionally said, God, we want the front to be sanctified. We want it to be clear. We don't want anything in the spiritual realm to be a blockage. The next one, which is quite difficult, we had one or two worship leaders who were more passionate about the songs that they wanted to sing than the songs God wanted to hear. So we had to say to them, look, take some time out. Oh, are you trying to stop my anointing? We love you. Take some time out. Yeah, but Jesus wouldn't do it. Take some time out. See, those kind of spiritual manipulation. I said to my church, even if everyone leaves, and I know it sounds risky, but Jesus looked at his disciples after over 60 had left and said, do you want to go also? This is how serious you've got to pursue. If you want power, if you want glory, this is how serious you need to be. If it's only me and my four children, because they've got to come church. (laughs) Then let it be us who experience the glory. And I'm telling you, church, the level of anointing has been so strong that when people now, in fact, we used to say to people, don't even come into the sanctuary talking half an hour before church. People said, you can't do that. This is the house of God. As people step in, they're experiencing miracles. A lady said to me um, last week how she had a stomach complaint. And this was funny. She was upset with one of our ministers because she felt they offended her. But as she stepped in, she was healed. She went to the doctor. The doctor said, it's gone. Because we've created an atmosphere where the word and worship take priority. The other thing we did, I'm just sharing practical. The other thing we did, we started with the musicians. And we said to them, stop overplaying. What do you mean, stop overplaying? The word agreement, as I said in Greek, is the word symphonio. It should be a symphony. It needs to produce one sound. If you're playing the drums, you don't want to attract more attention to yourself than the Lord. And we said, let's find the simplicity of presence. So we looked at all our songs and we said, okay, brother, just play. Turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. Just play. Just play. You don't need to do no arpeggios. Just play. And we said, don't change from that. And then we would say to the guitarist, there's times to do your runs. We want to intelligently partner with heaven. So just play. And he would just play three chords. And then the bass player would just play a root chord. And I'm telling you, today I rang to say, how was church? Because we had quite a few of our leaders away. They said, Bishop, We had to squeeze the speaker on 
Because the presence of God was so strong that even visitors saying we don't want, when visitors say to you they don't want to go home. Church, please, let me close with this. You already have the ingredients. But if we can find a way to blow the trumpets together, if we can find a way where you are willing to surrender absolutely everything. I sat there and I said, Lord, please remember, if you don't want me to preach, it's absolutely fine. Don't squeeze me on and push the presence of God out. And that's where I'm at. Can you stand with me, please? Lord, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Father God, I just thank you for this house. I thank you, Father, for the strong word that is in this house. I thank you for the strong worship in this house. I thank you, Lord, that as the word is preached, Lord, your presence comes. And as a result of your presence, Lord, we are compelled to seek your face. But Father, we pray for a merging of activities. Father, we know that... Please forgive me, church. I don't really know why I'm saying this because I don't really go to the gym much. But the Lord just put this in my spirit. Many years ago, I used to, my best friend at the time was um, the European powerlifting champion and the British one. And he taught me about repetition. And he said, no, he says, if I spend three months lifting heavy weights now and then, he says, what happens? I will have size but I won't have definition. But he, he said, if you have a, a program where you have high repetition, so you're doing your bench press eight, eight, eight reps five times, he says, over a period of time, you not only have size, but you have definition. And what you will find is that the more that you intentionally connect with worship and the word together, you will begin to see your ministry redefined in incredible ways. It's not just about size. It's about definition. Because when you have definition, it becomes recognized. I know. You know what the incredible thing is? And this should be encouragement to you, Joe. I know a CLF person. Wouldn't that be amazing that wherever you go throughout the world, People can say, that's one of God's people. They're so defined in what they do. That's a God man. That's a God child. That's a God woman. Wouldn't that be amazing? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's press in. Lord, we pray at this time that you will blow the symbol. We will blow those two silver trumpets. Father God, there will be emerging, 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 emerging. Father God, we thank you for this house.
We thank you for the strong word. We thank you for the worship. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will bring together in supernatural ways. Father God, the worship and the word in this house. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Father, we pray for incredible definition. Lord, we are desperate for your power. We are desperate for your presence. God, we don't want to leave here the same. Lord, we want a tangible manifestation. Father, we want the Shekinah glory. We want your dwelling to be among us. Oh, Emmanuel, dwell with us, Heavenly Father. Take us as a church to new realms, to new depths. Father, open up the windows of heaven that we will begin to hear what heaven is saying. We'll begin to hear what heaven is singing. Oh!